Jonathan Johansson, who is quite a highly respected columnist and academic in South Africa, recently published an opinion piece in the Dispatch, so you can find it on their website. And this opinion piece relates to the school year. So Mr. Janssen holds a bunch of honorary doctorates in education from universities all around the world. And he was recently the vice chancellor of the University of the Free State, I believe. So in this piece, he basically talks about how the school year essentially has to be scrapped. So he first breaks down the amount of teaching days that will happen he says that if we're lucky, we, lucky we're probably looking at 100 days of school and how actually this relates, this equates to basically 50 days of school in the 80% disadvantaged schools in the country where there's a lot of dysfunction, they don't have textbooks, extremely under-resourced. So the original plan was obviously to open schools, I think it was on the 21st of April, but... This is now obviously has had to be scrapped given the extension of the lockdown. So definitely schools are not opening until May. So in the meantime, some of the more well-resourced schools are trying to teach still using Google Classroom and Zoom and providing resources to students that they can work through. So those are what he talks about in the next few paragraphs and he makes a really important point at the end of that in which he says, this is all very well and nice if you're privileged, but what this means is that the majority poor now gets left even further behind. So he then lists a bunch of approaches that he thinks should be taken with regards to how we salvage what remains of the year. So I'm going to read these paragraphs out in full. So he starts with one, scrap that academic school year. Even a trimmed-down curriculum will soon be meaningless for the school system as a whole. Two, pass every pupil in grades 1 to 11 for organizational reasons. We need to enroll in new grade 1 class and grade 8 class without clogging up the system. Educational reasons. We can only assess what has been taught and learnt. And equity reasons. We should assess on the basis of opportunity to learn, which was unequally distributed in the lockdown, even more than is usually the case. Three, abandon all marks from continuous assessment for a simple reason, it was not continuous. Four, if grade 12s do not write the terminal exams, reach an agreement with provinces and their schools on what parts of the curriculum will be covered and set new papers. So he talks about a precedent now from disruptions in 1985, where there were school boycotts in places such as the Western Cape. So five, negotiate with universities to start three weeks earlier and have matric teachers and lecturers work together on bridging a on a bridging curriculum for students in particular disciplines. For example, economics for those doing a BCom or physics and chemistry for those doing a BSc. Six, do away with the June and September holidays and start school early in 2021 for all grades so that in this way academic time lost is made up in other ways. There is no way that the curriculum time lost in 2020 can be crammed into the, into the same year. Seven, provide massive emotional and psychological support for teachers and pupils. There will be wariness and that should not be underestimated. Our biggest mistake would be to treat children as cognitive machines that can simply be switched on again after the trauma of COVID-19. So that's the end of the article. He then 
Adds on after that, he just says he would like to acknowledge the inputs of senior education officials and medical science experts who made valuable inputs into this column. However, I alone take responsibility for the claims and argument made in the writing. So let's talk about this. So I think he makes a, a few very important points there, and I think all that he's saying is pretty valid. I think the idea of universities starting earlier is an extremely positive one. I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen with the universities here this year. So we very well might have to start early universities next year anyway. Not That's not even thinking about what's happening with school. So I think there could be a possible clash there if university needs to start early for university students and then for the first years as well, it can really become a mess. But obviously the situation is so complex that there is no ideal situation and we just need to try and make the best of it. So I think let's talk about when people will actually start going back to school as in physically attending um, lessons in a classroom. Now, to be honest, I don't think that this can really take place as long as any social distancing measures are in place, which really need to be here for at least another six months, if not more, probably until we actually have a vaccine or a lot of people talking about herd immunity where we have like 70% of the population infected with the virus and then those people are now immune, so it's over. But until that happens, like people really shouldn't be going back into these classrooms. I mean, in the townships and poorer communities, we have these classrooms are completely overcrowded where we have three people, four people to a desk. It's like 60 people in a really small room and this situation is going to be extremely conducive to the spread of the virus. And that's why we've closed schools. I mean, they say children are less impacted by the virus, but these schools are extremely hazardous and when we're talking about spreading the virus. So let's take the example of an assembly. So at my old school, we'd have an assembly where we'd have 950 people sitting in a hall on the floor, very tight, very tightly packed. Everyone's like crammed in there. Guys, let it, this is not one meter social distancing. This is basically one centimeter social distancing. That's not social distancing. And for the foreseeable future, we're going to have to have this as part of our society. Probably for the rest of our lives, to be honest. We're going to have improved hygiene standards, and that can only be a good thing. But that means that we can't just go back to normal with regards to school. How do you deal with breaks and stuff where people are going to be playing soccer and playing rugby? You know, like, how do you monitor that? I don't think you can monitor that, to be honest where you have teachers making sure that kids aren't coming within one meter of each other. And as he says, with regards to digital teaching, this just isn't possible here if we're talking about a unified approach to dealing with this in schools because a lot of schools can't. People don't have internet, one, and that's a huge problem. We have a huge issue here in South Africa with the digital divide. So the digital divide relates to how people in poorer communities and rich communities, have different access to the internet. And I think what this virus is showing is that the internet is not a privilege, it's a utility. This is something that we all need access to because the world is going to be more and more online after this. I think that's abundantly clear at this point. Why, why have an in-person meeting? 
just have it on Zoom. I mean, like, Zoom is much safer in terms of hygiene, right? You're all sitting in different rooms. So I don't think that people are going to go back to normal when it comes to meetings. And I don't think people are going to go back to exactly the same when it comes to school as well. So we need to bridge the digital divide here, and that needs to happen fast. So people don't have data. They don't have devices. People don't have printers. People don't have scanners. How are you going to send in homework? You have to WhatsApp at your teacher, and is that really a long-term thing that we're going to have to stick with? No. So that, that just doesn't work when we're talking about a large-scale approach to dealing with this. We, we need to formulate a unified response to this. And what we're seeing now, as he says, is that we're seeing the richest schools are making a plan. And even in these rich schools, there's some kids who don't have data, so they even can't access the work. So I think when he speaks about the school year being scrapped, yeah, I think it might have to go further than what he's even suggesting here. So he's still hopeful that we can write metric finals. But honestly, even if we write down a stripped-down curriculum and university still starts three weeks earlier, if you have to skip, like, a section in maths, and there are a lot of really important sections in maths when you're in metric, and these sections are going to be your foundation for university maths. And believe me, if you don't know what's going on in metric for maths, you will have no idea what is happening in university it gets really difficult. So even if you have like a three-week sort of bridging curriculum, that's probably not going to be enough to sort of bridge this divide between what you've just learned in matric, which is maybe like two-thirds of the syllabus, and then what you have to deal with when you're actually in university, where the, the, like the difficulty level is so much higher. So yeah, it's a huge dilemma. It's not unique to us. I believe in New York now, the mayor said that they're closing schools for the rest of the year. And obviously they have a different school year. So their holidays are coming up soon. But yeah, so will people be going back to school anytime soon? If people do go back to school, it's probably only going to be much closer to finals. So I think the Department of Education has a huge problem on their hands here. And I hope they can deal with it and come up with the best solution possible. possible. But Right now, I mean, they're talking about scrapping holidays, but is that really going to be enough? Probably not. And I think that until we get a clearer picture of what we're dealing with here in terms of the time frame, it's going to be extremely difficult for them to come up with a, a proper unified approach to dealing with this. And I hope that people aren't too scared if you're in matric and listening to this. Keep learning. Try keep up with the syllabus because at this point no one really knows what's going to happen but yeah I think this is an extremely serious situation especially for a country like us where we really can't afford to be a year behind we need to keep up with the rest of the world and even though the rest of the world is experiencing this we need to catch up to be honest and I don't think we're going to be able to catch up if we have to forfeit a whole year of school so I think we're going to have to follow this story really closely and see what the plans are that they come up with over the next few weeks.